We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday, August 21st. And you know what we do on Mondays? Well, maybe not this Monday. James isn't here. Typically, it's Mondays with McCool, but uh, James is on his way back from the uh, DraftKings MLB live final, hopefully with the, the hurricane or tropical storms or whatever going on in San Diego. Gets home without, you know, 36 hours of waiting in airports. But uh, he'll be back uh, next Monday. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the live final experience that, that that he had. I think he came in like 28th or something. He came in some something. I think he made 45,000, 20, 25,000 over, over a minimum or whatever. So I'm sure he's he's fine. I'm sure he's fine. I, I, I think based on how much he put in for live final uh, uh, qualifiers, I think he's profitable. So that's that's always good. Got a trip out of it. So uh, so congratulations, I guess, to him. Squirrel Patrol, our own Squirrel Patrol, came in second place. And if it weren't for the the Tampa Bay Rays putting up, like, a bunch of runs late in their game, he would have won, won first. But, oh, well, second place was, I think, $600,000. I think he's fine with that. I think John's fine with that. But congratulations to Squirrel Patrol. Cheese had a couple of entries in there. Didn't 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 make it all the way, but uh, I think he he should should have been profitable, I guess. But uh, congratulations, everyone here at Roto Grinders. Hit that thummy thumb button. Give all the thummy thumbs to all all the Roto Grinders people coming home from San Diego. Get home safe. If you don't hit the like button, they don't get home safe. The plane crashes. Okay, so so it's all up to you. So if we hear in the news that someone died in a flood. Right, someone here at Roto Grinders died in a flood or in a plane crash. It's all your fault. It's all your fault for not hitting the thumbs up button or the subscribe button or the notification bell. Right, hit that notification bell to know when when anyone di- anyone from here dies in a flood or a plane crash. That that's the reason why you hit the notification bell. Wow, it's gotten morbid early in the week. Okay, whatever. 
What are we talking about today then? Since James isn't here with me. Well, I've been I've been predicating this, you know, the past couple of weeks to send in your questions. You could do that questions at theoryofdfs.com. I'm starting NFL DFS primer today. Right? We're going to do this week and next week. Uh I'm I'm off for a couple of days and then we're going to be into the week week 1 of the the NFL DFS season and uh we'll be breaking down slates, we'll be t- reviewing stuff on Mondays with James, all of that, but We've been playing, obviously, MLB for, like, God knows how long. Does the season ever end? Does it ever end? I know college football's coming up. Soccer has started. MMA is always going on. Golf. Uh, so we, we may have gotten into the groove of, like, oh, MLB DFS. And this is how you play MLB, the nuances of, of the sport. But now we're, we're transitioning into, into NFL. And what, what are the major differences? Between MLB, the, the three major sports, if you want to say like MLB, NBA, and NFL, okay? The major differences between the three sports from a very macro level on the three levers of DFS, okay? The three levers of DFS is something I talk about very heavily in the theory of daily fantasy sports. How to think like a professional DFS player. 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. The three levers. Projection. Correlation, leverage, right? You're you're looking to balance all three things. You have too much of one, typically in, in negative EV, right? Too much projection, typically your ownership is way way too high, right? Your leverage is way low. Correlation adds variance to your lineup. So when you're playing GPPs, typically correlation benefits you in both directions, right? You stack a team in baseball and they put up zero runs, you're all the way in the last place. They score 20 runs, you're all the way in first place, right? It helps you in that regard. But what's the difference between MLB, NBA, and NFL when it comes to those three levers? So let's take a look at the first lever, projection. Okay, I'm going to go over to lineup HQ. So we're going to see, obviously, if you sign up here at Roto-Grinders, click on that link in the description, get $10 off your first month to the combo premium, you get everything, right? NBA will start up, you'll get that too. You know, one-stop shop for all your projections, all your ownership, all the content, all the everything. Get almost too much stuff here. Lineup HQ, you need a lineup builder, right? There you go. You got it here also. So you'll see projections. You'll see these mean projections, the fantasy points, right, here in lineup HQ. You also see floors and ceilings, right, which is typically 15th and 85th percentile outcomes. Obviously, we don't have projected ownership for the first, I mean, the, 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 the first slot of the year is, what, three weeks away? So how what does a typical projection, what does the distribution look like in comparison from NFL to MLB to NBA? Okay. NBA, from a projection standpoint, is the most normally distributed. Okay. It's not perfect. It's not even, every player doesn't have a perfect normal distribution in basketball. But in basketball, it's a very it's an iterative scored sport. It's not an event-driven sport. Right, someone that plays eight minutes—it's it's very difficult for them to score sixty fantasy points because you can only do little, little at a time. Rebound here, point there, steal there, like that. So their outcomes, typically, in general, are normally distributed, which means the the variance is much lower. So if a player is going to play thirty-six minutes and their mean projection is twenty-eight points. There's a lot of 28s and 24s and 32s and 31s and 27s 
There's a lot of bunched up in the middle because it's normally distributed. Then we go to baseball, MLB, the least normally distributed out of the three, right? You get a lot of zeros, but you also get 40s, right? A lot of a lot of the distributions of outcomes for basketball players look like a bell curve. And for MLB players look like, like, like a, I don't even know what you want to call it, a side, that reverse sign curve, right? Kind of like starts at right, very top, a lot of zeros. You also get a lot of threes and fives, right? Because a single and a run or something. And then it just spans out from there. And then the 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 more power hitters typically have a little get go a little bit higher, right? Their curve on the at the end, because they, they have a lot more, you know, 30s than you have like uh, you know, the, the low end hitters. Luis Arias doesn't have like like three home run games. So that's what baseball batters typically look like pitchers are a little bit more normally distributed pitchers are, are are much more on a bell curve but hitters dude it, i mean it's an event driven sport and most of the player pool get similar opportunities so when we think of projection distribution think of how you score points and how opportunities affect that Okay, in NBA, opportunities are like minutes and shots. And do they have the ball at their hand? Okay, so like point guards and centers typically have much more normally distributed outcomes than like wings, that that three and D wings. They don't touch the ball as often, right? So the more times you touch it, the more opportunities you have, the more normally distributive your distribution will be. Now, in Major League Baseball, like, yes, obviously we have some pinch hit risks and stuff like that, but most batters on a slate are going to bat three to five times, right? Around four, four ish, give or take. And the only difference between the hitters are how good they are as a hitter and how bad the pitcher that they're facing. Opportunities is, well, how, how, how high are they in the order? And how many runs is this team going to score so that, you know, the batting order goes around? So, like, you have, like, the Mike Trouts, the Aaron Judges, Ronald Acuna's, you know, those types. They have plenty of zeros in their distribution also. Just as many as Kyle Isbell or someone or whatever. It's at some low-end hitter on, you know, the A's. Nick Allen or someone like that. But the, the opportunity is going to be about the same. Basketball doesn't work that way, right? Steph Curry's opportunities and... The, the third center on the Raptors that gets seven minutes at the end, much less opportunities. Football is kind of a mix of both. And obviously it depends on position and we'll go through the positions when it comes to projection. So NFL players on average don't typically do not have a normally distributed distribution, right? It's not a bell curve. It's also not like it's not listed this other curve with a lot of zeros. Typically, it's it's like it's it's I wouldn't it's not binomial, right? Bimodal to some extent. It's typically like a big hump and then a small hump, kind of like or a big hump and then like you get some outlier outcomes. But a lot of times you don't get that many zeros, you don't get that many ones, you don't get that many twos. But you get you start getting a lot of fours, fives, sixes, sevens, eights, you know, it starts coming up like that till around you know 12, 13 ish. Then it starts coming down, and but you also start getting, you know, 
they're more like 21s and 26s. So it doesn't come that one side of the, the distribution is skewed heavily to the to heavily, but significantly to the 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 top side, right? Not many zeros, right? So it starts coming up quickly, but when it goes down, it goes down a little bit slowly, which means you're look you're looking necessarily when you when you when you're playing GPPs in NFL for those outcomes past the median right you don't care about the median you care about how many outcomes are past the median now in cash games you may care about the medians but one of the one of the biggest things that that people do not get in NFL is that what you're looking at are mean projections and not median projections okay so if we take a look at at wide receivers for let, let's take a look at running backs okay running backs is a better example for this so when you take a look at, at mean projections and you see like Josh Jacobs, 16.99, so about 17 points, that's not a median. Like his median is probably like 12, okay? What makes up most of his high-end outcomes? Well, in NFL, it's touchdowns, right? It's not necessarily yardage. It's not necessarily even, you know, pass, you know, good pass catching for a running back. It's touchdown. Touchdown is the event-driven part. Now, the difference between the event-driven part in NFL versus MLB is that in MLB, the event-driven part is a very large proportion of your score. NBA, it isn't at all, right? Someone, someone steals the ball and then hits a three-pointer. That's what, five and a half points? Out of their score of 40. Right. So even on an event, they rebound the ball, they get an assist. Maybe they maybe they can score what five and a half, six points on one play. But when they're scoring, you know, when when it's a top end player, they're scoring 60 fantasy points. That one event is a tenth of their score. Now in baseball, you know, you're gonna play, you're gonna play uh, you know, uh, Stanton, Schwarber, one of those types of guys. Like, like, dude, like. Most of their score is when they hit a home run. Most of their score is when, when they 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 go two for four with a double and a and a hit. You know, like they they're hitting for power. It's a very event driven. So when you look at a median on Schwarber of like twelve, right? Not a median, mean a twelve. Like his median is way lower. His median maybe like seven and a half, because there's a lot of zeros, there's a lot of threes, there's a lot of twos, a lot of fives. But there's also 28s, right? He hits a home run, a three-run home run, a double, and two, and another RBI, and two runs, right? That's on this topic. Those are event-driven stuff. If he if those events don't happen, he doesn't do well. NFL is kind of a mix of both, right? In MLB, you know, Schwarber's event, if he hits a solo home run of 14 points, that's that's like more than half of his score, typically, right? He ends up with 23 on the day. NFL is in the middle of both, right? So Josh Jacobs, you know, his mean is 17. A lot of that mean is when he scores a touchdown, two touchdowns, three touchdowns, right? Goal line carries, stuff like that. It's not it's not the six catch, 50, 60-yard game. It's a lot in touchdowns. So if Josh Jacobs touches the ball 20 times, you know, 15 carries, 
17 carries and three receptions. Like he doesn't, he rarely gets to 17 as his mean without any touchdowns. Now a touchdown in NFL DFS for wide receivers and running backs are six points. So how much is six points in relation to their mean? Well, it's a pretty decent part. 30%, right? 35%, something like that. Six out of 17. McCaffrey obviously has a little bit higher, higher because he catches more balls out of the backfield. Same for Eckler. But like someone like Nick Chubb, 16.93 is his mean projection. Well, that's nowhere near his median. His median may be like 10. There's a lot, because six, 12 points, I mean, like, it's it's very touchdown dependent. Wide receivers are a little less privy. It kind of, it flip-flop, like, over the past 10 years. Wide receiver has gotten less variant, while running back has gotten much more variant, especially with running back committees, rotation. You don't have many bell cow running backs anymore. Wide receivers are typically, you know, top-end wide receivers are at like 95% of the plays. So their opportunity share goes up. The running back opportunity share goes down. So it turns out now that wide receiver outcomes, their distributions are more normally distributed than running backs, even though running backs touch the ball more on average, right? You get some some of the top-end running backs, 20 to 25 touches. Top end wide receivers may get, you know, eight or nine, seven to nine, somewhere in that range. But the thing is, is that the variance in wide in, in for wide receivers is much lower. They're less dependent on touchdowns. Although, obviously, for, for high-end scores, for ceilings, you're gonna need touchdowns. But how much is one touchdown on some of these guys? mean outcomes not as big of a percentage maybe 20 percent 25 percent rather than 35 to 40 percent which makes top end wide receivers more valuable on average than top end running backs just due to variance because especially in ppr sites fandle it's used a little a little bit worse because they only do half point ppr but in full point PPR, I mean, Justin Jefferson, yeah, I mean, you may not win a GPP with him scoring 24 points, right? 24 is still fine, but he can score 24 points without a touchdown, right? Nine, what, he can go nine for 110, right? And you get the three-point bonus on the 100 yards. I mean, he could easily do that without a touchdown. It's hard. It's hard for a running back to score twenty-four points without a touchdown. Yeah, it, 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 you get you get the McCaffrey type sometimes, right? Sometimes they can, but most of the time they can't without scoring a touchdown. So understanding that when you distribute your salary and you increase the variance of your lineup for GPPs, the old school thinking when there were more bell cow running backs is that you pay for safety and running back and you take your variance at wide receiver. Now it's the other way. It should you should think of it the other way. You give me a you give me a choice between McCaffrey or Jefferson and I take Jefferson all the time. Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, those types of guys, 
much, much, much more normally distributed. And they're not normally distributed, but it's more than running backs are. So how does that affect, because of the way that the projections work out? Well, if you if we go in here right now, it's going to be, oh, I want McCaffrey at 8,700 because his mean will be 21.77, right? We take a look at the difference, right? It's like, I can pay for either Cooper Cup or Christian McCaffrey or Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson has a, a almost a one point lower mean projection than Christian McCaffrey. But let me tell you, Jeff, Justin Jefferson actually has more 21s in his distribution than Christian McCaffrey does. So even though the mean is higher by one point for McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson actually is actually less variant. That I'd much rather at the wide receiver position for from a from a mean median perspective, like cash games. <coughs> I think the cat the cash game approach is you pay down a running back and you pay up a wide receiver. That you're that anytime you're paying more than like 7k for a running back, you're paying for ceiling. It used to be in the past you'd just jam in 8k, 9k running backs and you didn't mind a 4k wide receiver that like a slot receiver. But those slot receivers they their range of outcomes is very narrow. Like, it's very hard to increase the variance of your lineup with 4K receivers that are slot receivers. 4K receivers that go out and catch bombs? Those are good for GPPs, but they scare you to death in cash games. And you play $3,200 guy that may only see two two targets? Of course, the targets are 28 yards down the field. But if they don't catch those, you're, you're sitting there with zero. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this is how projections work in NFL. When it comes to quarterbacks, quarterbacks are even more lopsided than they used to be. Okay, that that distribution, it's not, 
Quarterbacks used to be more normally distributed on average, the whole field of quarterbacks. But now there's a there, there are quarterbacks that have much more skewed distributions and ones that have way narrow distributions. So you'll see a lot in NFL DFS that like, you know, going down and playing Derek Carr or Jordan Love or Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, even Matthew Stafford, I guess, on this first slate. Like you'll see these projections and there won't be all that's like, oh, there's there's a gap of like there's like five points in between like all the quarterbacks. <clears throat> so you'll be saying to yourself, it's like, why am I gonna pay up for Jalen Hurts at seventy eight hundred where I could like save like two thousand in salary and only give up like four mean projected points? It seems like a lot. It's like why well, you know I'll save the money at quarterback. That used to be what NFL DFS was quarterback outcomes tended to be more bunched up. Not anymore. Now they're, we have quarterbacks that have distributions that have that second bump has gotten way higher. Right. And the guys like, you know, the guys like Kirk cousins and Derek Carr, the statuesque quarterbacks that play for teams that run the ball a little too much. Their outcome, their distributions have gotten much more narrow. So you'll see that playing guys like Hertz, Jackson, Burrow, Herbert, Fields, those types of guys, although the mean projection may only be a difference of four points, their like 80th out percentile outcome is going to be way higher than like a Kirk Cousins 80th percentile outcome. <coughs> And especially when there's a lot of them on a slate, you have to figure someone puts up like 35 plus points at quarterback. And remember, in DFS, we're playing a game of of relative points. Like, oh, I played a 5K quarterback and got 20. Like, sounds good in a vacuum, but if there were two quarterbacks on the slate that put up 40 points, you're going to need them. Doesn't matter what, like, how how much, uh, I want my quarterback to get 4X value, 5X value. And it, don't, don't worry about any of that. <laughs> there's no number. It's all in relation to one another. There'll be certain slates where some of the top end quarterbacks, they're just, they're not on the slate. They're on the Thursday game, Monday, Sunday night game. They got a bye week and you take a look and well, I'm not sure if any quarterback is going to put up like over 30 points. Those would be the slates where you save money at quarterback. <laughs> and you could save the same at any position. You're trying you're trying to beat players relatively. So you always have to view things in relative terms. Oh, I'm going to play the highest team total team the game on the slate. You know, people stack games. Oh, this total is 49. It's the highest team total on the slate. But what happens if there were six games that were like 47 and a half? In relative terms, one game at 49 total versus six at 47 and a half, it's not that great grand of a difference. That you should be treating that one way higher than the others, even though it is the highest team total game. But let's use the other example. You have one game that has a 58 and a half total. And the next highest game has a 44 and a half total. And there's a bunch of those. That that matters a lot more. The gap relatively between the games. And the same exists for players. It's all in relation to one another. So this is projection. Let's talk about correlation. (coughs) 
all three sports, NBA, limited correlation. I'm not saying there's none, but it's limited. Correlation is not, if if you disregarded thinking about correlation at all in NBA, I don't think you'd suffer that much, right? There's not that much of it. So like, well, what if it goes into overtime? Yeah, yeah, sure. That's only a very small percentage of time. Or two two centers on the same team. They don't share the court together. Yeah, you're probably, you're probably avoiding some of those situations a little bit. But it's not as grand of an effect as you think it is. Then you have MLB. Correlation is insanely important. Bad hitters on the same team are highly correlated to one another. Both on outcomes as well as opportunities. People seem to forget that. They think in MLB and they go, well, this guy gets a hit. And then this guy runs him in and this guy. And then it's like, dink, 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 dink. And that's why they're correlated, which is a part of it. But the correlation is very much in played appearances. As a team scores more and more runs, there aren't outs being recorded, which means that when the team scores 14 runs, like all of these batters are getting up five, six, maybe even seven times. That's more opportunities to score points. Much better than a a team that only scored two runs and only three hitters got four at-bats, got four plate appearances. And that's why when you stack, it's like, oh, do I do do one, two, three, four? Do I do like the the order? Doesn't matter as much. most, Most of the correlation comes from they're just being on the same team and getting more plate appearances as the team does better. Less of the correlation is on, well, the third batter and the fourth batter. Yeah, they're slightly more correlated. But it shouldn't be something that you should be all end all of building MLB lineups. Same thing for NBA. Well, if I play this guy on one side of the game, if I can I play this guy and this guy together? Most of the time, it, it would be better spent if you just didn't even spend time on it. It wouldn't hurt you that much. NFL is kind of in the middle. It's kind of in the middle. Uh, there's obviously team-based correlation, right? Quarterback to wide receiver. Like when one guy gets points, the other guy gets points. It's very easy, very easy to see in NFL. So typically, typically, you're going to be playing at least a at least a pass catcher with your quarterback. Some people use running back and DST. There is a correlation, but the correlation is at its mean. And it's median and not at its ceiling. DST scoring is primarily built around pick sixes and return touchdowns for ceiling, not points allowed. So you may think it's like, oh, running back. Oh, the running back in the fourth quarter is just running the ball a ton and blah, blah, blah. Because they're up. They're up, you know, three touchdowns or something. Yeah, but that defense, you know, could still only score seven points. I mean, like, yeah, it's got, they're they're correlated at that extent, but not to like the twenty three point defensive score. So running back DST correlation is not all that important for GPPs at least. There, there's there's also correlation of as the team does better, how many more opportunities do all players get? There are two lines of thinking when it comes to negative and positive correlation, and they both apply when one player on a team scores a touchdown that means another player on the team can't can't couldn't have scored that touchdown so people think in terms of well if uh 
If uh, Joe Burrow throws the ball, I mean, I, I'm I'm not even aware who's on what team at this point. Geno Smith and Kenny Walker. Yeah, these are that example. Geno Smith throws a touchdown to DK Metcalf. Well, that took away an opportunity for Kenneth Walker to, to score a touchdown. So DK Metcalf and Kenneth Walker are negatively correlated in that regard. Is that true? Yes, it is true. But they are also positively correlated in the regard that the more possessions that the Seahawks have, it benefits them both. Right? Because the problem in NFL when it comes to that negative correlation example is that when DK Metcalf scores, their opponent gets the ball back. Right? It's not like they get the ball again. If it was the type of thing that anytime you scored a touchdown, you also got the ball back. Then there would be positive correlation up the wazoo for, for everyone on the team. But we see plenty of times that, you know, if teams rolling, they give the ball back to their opponent who's passing, they go three and out, and they get the ball right back. I'm not even talking about interceptions or fumbles. Like, there are games where you see the first half, it's 24 to three. The other team could barely move the ball, and one team had the ball for 23 minutes out of the 30 minutes. So it's quite possible in those scenarios that Kenny Walker and DK Metcalf are positively correlated. So you'll see some lineups that win GPPs and go, well, they had to stack with the running back that isn't a pass catcher. It's like, yeah, well, if they they score 35 plus points and have 45 plus minutes of possession, then sure, you'd want everyone on the team, right? So there's some positive correlation and some negative correlation. Typically, as the price goes up, you care more about that negative correlation. And as the price goes down, you care more about the positive correlation. Like if Kenny Walker was 9K and DK Metcalf was 10K, like in order for those, the ceilings at those prices, you need like, you want 35 plus points. Unless the Seahawks are putting up 60, 60, they're putting up, you know, seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns. At those prices, it's hard for them both to have a ceiling. If DK Metcalf was 5K and Kenny Walker was min-priced, you'd be jamming him to every lineup. The threshold of how many points you really need for those prices, Kenny Walker could have a, you know, 80-yard, two-touchdown game. DK Metcalf could have a 100-yard, one-touchdown game, and you're fine at those prices, at those salaries. People ask about game stacks when it comes to correlation. There is correlation in the same game, but it's nowhere as high as you as people tend to make it out, right? A lot of people, like I'll build a quarterback with two wide receivers and then a player on the other side of the game because you want a lot of plays in the game, big play, and then the team gets the ball back, then another big play, and then the team gets the ball back, that type of stuff. There is a correlation there. Yes, that is a positive correlation. Is it the be-all, end-all? No. Do I need a run back? Do I do not? Do I not need a run back? Don't ever use the term need. You don't need anything. So when it comes to game stacks, it's like, oh, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play seven guys from the same game. Like you better hope the game scores like 80 points. Now you're getting to the point where you're getting more negatively correlated than positively correlated. People think too much in game stacks and too little in game environments, okay? If you were to study, 
the data. Because when typically you're looking at games, right? Because you're going to be stacking a quarterback with wide receivers. You're going to be doing some, you're going to be aiming for games. The more and more points, like NFL betting lines, like spreads and totals, are like some of the most efficient markets in anything. I mean, like in anything, anything. The closing lines in NFL are very high R values. Okay? So using it to your benefit. Now, they're obviously incorporated already into these mean projections. So you don't even have to look at them. But if you're approaching NFL DFS from a game perspective, the more and more, the higher, better way to put it, the higher and higher the team total is, the more exponentially likely that the team passes their team total. Now, that seems like counterintuitive. It's like, isn't the team total supposed to be like a median? It's like, yes, that's correct. But in NFL DFS, we, we're not betting the over. We're not betting the under. The numbers that we see right here, right? The Chargers, 26 and a half. Dolphins, 24. Those are median numbers. Betting lines are medians. They're not means, okay? The projections on players are mean projections and not medians. Understanding that difference matters. So if we take a look at a low-scoring game, Atlanta 22.75, Carolina 19.75. So what? That's a 42.5 total. Now, in order to win in GPPs, like, we want the games that we are stacking or that we're targeting to go dramatically over the total. You don't win GPPs when the game goes goes its total. It goes over. We play Minnesota to Tampa Bay with uh with what? 45 and a half total. We wanted to score 65 70 points. Any game that we stack, any game that we play, we want there to be we want it to be a 42 to 34 game. We want it to be a, a 32 to 24. We want it to be 60 plus points. And because these betting lines are medians, we have to the the lower the lower end totals are much less likely to go for sixty plus points than the high end totals. I know that sounds like oh well, yeah, well obviously I target that high total get yes, but if you're like I'm no one's if you if you're gonna be like oh no one's playing Carolina Atlanta, I'm gonna stack that game and then you have like four games that have 50 plus totals like the likelihood that one of those 50 plus totals put up way more than 50 is way higher than that game outscoring all of them all all four of those games as you go up in total as you go up in total the more and more likely that game goes over the total because betting lines are medians not means Okay, this is very important because people look at this and go, I'm gonna I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play the 38 total game and I'm gonna stack it. Does that come in? Depending on ownership, right? It's one percent owned, maybe you take a shot, right? Like no one's but maybe this is the this is the outlier outcome. But for the most part, when you're stacking. Right when you're playing multiple pieces from the same game, you're going to be doing that with higher total games because the mean 
outcomes of those games are higher than the mean outcomes of the lower total games. Even though it may not, you may look at this and go, well, the medians, right? The medians don't look that great, right? You take a look at, uh, at uh, you know, I mean, there's not many. Seattle, Los Angeles, the Rams. And you go, well, 47 and a half. 47, that isn't that, that isn't that high. That isn't shootout high. Like that has so much more likelihood of going 60, 70 points than the 20, the 39 and a half total game. That the ownership, one game is three times less owned. And well, it may, maybe it should be three times less owned. Doesn't mean you can't play a piece from that game. But when you're thinking about putting in multiple pieces, You should always consider that the bet that these these numbers, these implied team totals, are medians, not means. The mean distribution. Remember, we talked. We went all the way back to the projection element of that distribution is not normal. It's not normal. It's it's not bimodal, but it's kind of like semi double bumped. Right? It goes up, 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 down, 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 and then slides. It slides. It slides. It doesn't go straight down. The high total games have that, have that, all those 55, 60, 65, 70s. And it's mean. Although the median may, the median on like, it may be like this, 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 uh, this Chargers Dolphins game, which is currently the highest total game, 50 and a half. So maybe 50 and a half is the, is the median. But the mean may be like, 57, 58, right? Maybe maybe even that high, 55, 56, right? Because there's a lot of games where it's, it, it is it is 38 to 31, right? 69 points, a lot of those outcomes. Not as many as seven to three outcomes. But then you take a look at one of the lower total games, like what, what Atlanta, Carol, let's see, and it, what's the lowest total? Oh, San Francisco, Pittsburgh. Or Arizona, Washington. That's it. That's even lower. Thirty-nine. Right. That's the med. That's the median. Thirty-nine. What's the mean? The mean may only be like forty-three. Something like that. Doesn't doesn't spread. You, you there aren't as many sixties or seventies at all. There may be a bunch of fifty-twos, fifty-fours, stuff like that but not many 60s or 70s. So the difference from median and mean from the Arizona-Washington game compared to the Dolphins-Chargers game is much more dramatic, even though the medians, like, okay, the, the medians are 11 points apart, but the means are like 15 points apart. This is something that you have to calculate. I'm not sitting here saying you have to calculate this. Just from a macro concept. The higher the totals of the implied team totals, the higher the means are. And we're looking for we're looking for high-end outcomes. Right? We're not betting on the over. We're not betting the Chargers. The Chargers put up 27 points. Like, yes, if you bet the over on the 26 and a half, you'd win. If the Chargers put up 70 points for whatever reason, you don't win any more money, right? 
right? You still win your bet. But in DFS, if they put up 70 and you stack them, you, you, you won the whole thing. You care, you care about those outcomes and what they look like. When you bet, you don't. You're, you're, you're playing mediums. Mamba asked in the chat, uh, does the theory DFS also teach best ball strategy or just GPP and cash? No, the, the, the theory of daily fantasy sports. Best ball would be considered a, a season long. I mean, it's still a math and probability. I mean, you, I'm not saying that the concepts in the theory of DFS, I mean, you could apply to best ball. It's a way of thinking. It's all about probability and statistics. So yes, it will benefit you regardless. Like, dude, if you if you listened to the 15-hour audio DFS masterclass, obviously you could, we have all these DFS pregame shows. You could listen. You could listen to 500 hours of content if you want and get it all. But if you listen to this, you'll be able to approach any fa- any fantasy-based game much more properly, much more appropriately, much more profitably. I would suggest you get it anyway. Make and make you think about the game in a much more plus EV way. So theory of DFS.com. So lastly, before we get out of here, mention leverage. Or maybe we'll talk about leverage tomorrow. I got all week. You got next week. Yeah, I'll talk about leverage tomorrow. Right? Because I wanted to make I wanted to make the projection and correlation points. Because we'll talk a little bit even more about correlation tomorrow also. If you got any questions, send them in. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. NFL DFS. I mean, obviously, if you got any question at all, if you got questions about lineup HQ, got questions about anything here at the tools or roto grinders, send them in as well. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. But specifically, this week and next week, there's NFL. We're doing all NFL DFS primer stuff. We'll talk about showdown, right? We got showdown stuff. Because that now we added we had a fourth level there. The duplication lever comes in there. Combinatoric lever, if there is a lever. These are like kind of little, they're like the clutches. They're not the main levers. We'll talk about that. But for the most part, you're still playing. NFL DFS is still played like any other DFS sport. The macro over everything still applies. You're trying to find lineups, the highest projection for the lowest ownership. The highest range of outcomes for the lowest amount of points that you share with the field. At the end of the day, like if you just went by that, you'll probably be better than most of the field, especially in NFL DFS, and especially the first month or two in the season, right? Typically, they're the softest fields. But if you got questions, send them in. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. You know how much I like the thummy thumbs. And remember, you don't hit it, and one of one of the Roto Grounders staff members either get drowns in a flood or dies in a plane crash. It was your fault because you didn't. He didn't hit it. We didn't get enough likes, right? It'd be like they'll be on the news, like what caused this plane crash? And like, we don't know. The NTSB is there. You'd see the air disasters episode. Every everything was fine. That plane was mechanically sound, right? It was. It was. 35,000 feet in the air, sailing fine, sailing fine, right? Trade table, people were drinking, everything was fine. Next thing you know, nose first into the ground. They look at the black box, right? They look at the voice recording, right? They don't find anything. Then they do a search on YouTube. 
They go DFS pregame show, 821.23. Dude, this show didn't even get 40 likes. That was the cause. That was the cause. And we had the, we had, there was a Roto Grinders person. That's the reason, right? That's the reason. And it's all your fault. So save the, just like Devin says, save the plane, hit the like button. We need to get our likes up. I, I, I think this is this is the, the easy to guilt people. Do your part. Save the plate. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. We got Grinders Live later today. We got tons of content here. Click the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. And I'll be back tomorrow answering your DFS strategy questions like I always do here. Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.